How many love Jesus at Emmanuel this morning? You love him? Let me ask you, how many love Jesus? All right. We've got a few crazy people. Big shout out to all of our locations, Lakeville, <laughs> Elk River, those joining online, Spring Lake Park, and Maple Grove. Big shout out to all of you having this fall party that you got going on because we're celebrating a renovation we had in our Maple Grove location the lobbies and everything else. So would you give it up for Maple Grove and all of our, our family over there? Big shout out to you. Um, as we step into today, get your Bibles ready, get your, your uh, apps out, your Emmanuel MN app, and you can follow along with the notes uh, every single week. And you can e- actually take notes within that app and uh, send those, email those to you after the service. So if you haven't used that before, I encourage you to do that. I've got all the the text that I'll be preaching from, that kind of thing, they're all in there as well. But we're in our last week of our Redwood Faith series, and we've been looking at the metaphor of the great redwood trees, the great redwood forest out on the West Coast, these trees that grow hundreds of feet tall, and they live for hundreds of years. And the secret to their longevity is the climate and the soil care, and we've talked about week after week what that means in the soil of your own heart, but also it's the connectedness of the roots that God has given us into the relationships of the people around us. And just last week, all of our our pastors in each location shared about being salt and light, that it's not just to benefit ourselves or benefit the church, but God wants us to benefit the world around us, amen? And that we're called to be salt and light. And I just am grateful for each of the messages that were preached last week. And all of our pastors, I'm so grateful for them. And, and I know that what God is doing in us is kind of building. He's not done yet. In fact, turn to the person next to you and say, he's not done with you yet. <laughs> We've had groups that have been meeting during the week. And uh, hopefully you will want to consider continuing as a group. If you formed a new group, continue on the way. We've got resources for you here at the church to help you continue to have Bible study or our discussion of the Sunday services, but the most important thing is your connectedness in your faith. We want you to stay connected and uh, excited about what the future will hold. The title of my message today is this, Past, Present, and Future. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit out of something that God dropped in me real strongly last night. In fact, I scrapped what I was going to speak on, and I wrote something different this last night because I feel like God is saying something in real time to us as a church and to us as followers of Jesus. This uh, Earlier this year, uh, Jody and I went with a number of people from Emmanuel, and we went to Israel. And on the trip to Israel, we saw so many different things. In fact, I've got a few uh, shots from my iPhone that I shot while we were on the trip. And while we were there, there were so many experiences that we were able to see. We saw the city of Dan and Caesarea Philippi and Galilee and the, the uh, Capernaum. And we had baptisms in the River Jordan. And then we were back into Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, we we're on the temple uh, or outside the city walls. And we had Bible study. And while we we're walking through the country of Israel, there were so many things that came alive just off of the Bible. You know, the Bible was written mostly in that land. There's some parts of Greece and others in the New Testament, but most of the Bible is written in the land of Israel. And while we were there, there was something about our faith that just came alive. We saw the text differently, and we recognized we were tapped into something that was super um, incredible. It was thousands of years of biblical history, and Pilgrims from all over the world were there as well. People came from every nation and, and uh, we had different languages that we saw around us or on tour buses just like we were. It was interesting to me that all of us were tapped into some of the same things. And I want you to hear me today that, that there are some things I know to be true. And one of those is that when we become new creations, we're connected to a larger kingdom, the family of God. You're planted in the house here at Emmanuel. You're connected to your brothers and sisters, but there's a bigger family, and there's a big C church, and that big C church isn't just rooted only in this moment, but there's those that have gone before us, and there's still those that are yet to come to be a part of the family, and I believe that our roots cover the globe. They're not just in Minnesota. They're connected to a bigger kingdom. 
And if you think about what God is building, he calls us all to be a part of the same family. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, Paul says this, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all you who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slaver to free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. There's an interesting aspect of what's happening here as Paul describes those that were not Jews are brought into the family of God. It's, we're in. And there isn't like insiders and outsiders, there's just, we're it, we're the family. We're connected, and we are a part of one family. And in Galatians, Paul is speaking to non-Jews specifically, and he says, listen, you are into the promise. God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. Turn to the person next to you and say, the promise belongs to you. Now, what was that promise? Well, you can see in Genesis chapter 12 where God speaks to Abraham and he says, go yonder and uh, go to a land I'm going to show you. And when you get there, I'm going to make you into a great nation and you will be a blessing to the whole world. He goes on to say that those that you bless will be blessed and those that you curse will be cursed. And there's a great Abrahamic blessing. So Paul is saying that promise from Genesis chapter 12 is your promise. That's just not some, like, pastor somewhere on the other side of the world. It's not just holy people. This is your promise if you're part of the family of God. And that promise involved Abraham leaving where he had lived to move to modern-day physical, where we now know as Israel. So that was a space that God had sent him to go to. And then a grand journey begins of family building, nation building, hearing what God says and, and people doing the right thing and people doing the wrong thing. And you can read it all the way through the Old Testament as people tried to learn to follow God. God brought judgment in. He brought uh, uh, healing in and he brought miracles in, but he also, he was trying to straighten things out, if you will. He's taking all of the wrinkles in your shirt and ironing them out. And you see it all the way through the Old Testament leading up to Jesus. That was a promise. And you need to know that your kingdom roots are past, present, and future. We're going to consider and link up to your kingdom roots. So as we talk about Redwood Faith, I don't want you just thinking about the people that you know. I want you to broaden the scope of understanding of what it is that you're a part of. So let's start with this. The past, your roots are ancient. They're ancient. You're connected to something that is thousands of years of history. In Hebrews chapter 11, there's this great Hall of Fame chapter where, where the author lists out all these various people, Moses and Abraham and, and Jacob and various people throughout Rahab, people in the Old Testament that are heroes of faith. And then it gets, it's right to about verse 33, and it says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. I love that phrase. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back from, again from death, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half and others were killed by the sword. Some went, out, uh, went about wearing skins of sheep and goats, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. So right within this entire text, you will see that in your history, you have people that had great signs and wonders, great faith and overcame 
and had miraculous things happen, but you also have in your family lineage people that persevered even though they didn't get a miracle, even though everything didn't come through, they had the kind of faith that persevered all the way to the end. Some of them were beaten, bruised. Some of them were killed for their faith, and yet they persevered. And this is what you need to know. In your family lineage, you have people that can handle the very same circumstances that you may be going through right now. In your family lineage, you have people that later on, and we can look back and say that was a person of faith. That was a person of faith. In the moment when they were walking through, they might not have felt like they were a person of faith. But because they persevered, they were written of later on. And we can draw from their stories. If you look at how Israel would handle things later on, you will see that they would draw from previous generations. You and I can know that all those generations before us were pioneers, blazing a trail for us. They showed us how to persevere and live in difficult seasons of history. For example, many of the prayers in the Old Testament, when the, the Israelites would face a, ch a challenge, they would say, they would call on the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why would they do that? Hundreds of years later, because they know in the stories earlier on in the Old Testament, and it was a narrative that was shared from generation to generation, they knew that when Abraham called upon God, God answered his prayer. And they knew when, when Isaac called upon God, God answered his prayer. And they knew that Jacob, when God called upon God, God answered his prayer. All of them went through disciplined experiences in their life, and it wasn't pretty. But in the end, their faith was a kind of faith where God answered their prayer. So when the Israelites would face difficult circumstances, what they would do is they would pause and they would go, I want that level of faith in my story right now. So I'm calling upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I want the same God to answer my prayer is how he answered the prayer of those guys. You hear what I'm saying? And it's powerful if you recognize that your prayer life can come alive when you recognize you're connected more to more than this moment. Some of you didn't grow up in a family that loved Jesus. Some of you have no idea. You're like, I don't understand. I look at other Christians and it seems like they pray really naturally and everything seems so easy for them. I mean, there's no such thing as easy. There isn't. But you need to understand this. We're all connected to the same thing you're connected to. You can call upon the God of Rahab, who was a prostitute, who cried out to God and God delivered her whole family. You can call upon God, no matter what your circumstances have been, you can call upon the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he'll be there for you too. Now listen, you need to understand that when you look at our ancestors, they were not perfect people. They made a lot of mistakes. We got murderers in our history. We've got adulterers in our history. They're in the Bible. The Bible doesn't like take out all the bad stories. But what you will see is that in a, a person's life, even a guy like Samson, who gave up his secret of strength, at the very end of his life, he called upon God and God answered his prayer. How many know God never gives up on you? Come on, somebody. He does not give up on us. God would discipline the leaders of Israel repeatedly when they didn't follow what God had told them to do. And there were consequences there were disciplines for the people of Israel. There are consequences when leaders don't make right decisions. Innocent people get hurt. It happens. So what God brings that judgment in, and in the process of judgment, many times those leaders are removed. And then there's an opportunity for the people to choose a better leader. How many know they don't always do that? But when you look at the scripture, you can see the storylines of what it means to continue to follow God regardless of what the leaders of the land are doing. And by the time you get to the New Testament, our roots in the early church, you can see the pioneer journey of the disciples. You can look at the book of Acts and you can see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And when you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you can go, he can pour out the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. He can also do it in 2023 in Minneapolis. Come on, somebody. He can do it now. 
It's not just a historical story. Those are our roots. Those people called upon God, and guess what we get to do? We get to call upon God too. Can I get an amen? You think I'm a little excited this morning. I'm excited because there's opportunity. If you just open up your thoughts, your roots are connected to something way bigger than you. We can hear the correction and the teaching of the letters to the church, the epistles that Paul wrote and Peter and John. We can see the faith and the prayers of the church in their persecution. But it is vital for you to learn where you come from. We need to learn to search the word for our ancient roots. If you don't know where those promises are, you got to dig them out. Search for them. Do Bible study. Listen, Sunday morning sound bites are not enough. Not for your faith. Not kind of faith that's going to help you withstand the storms of life. You need to study the word. Some of us need to restudy the word. Some of us need to start for the first time. And there are a million tools that are out there to help you, but I encourage you to do that. And by the way, we need to teach our kids how to to study the word. We got to teach them that they're connected to something bigger than just this place. You're a part of the family God. We're worldwide. We're in every continent on the planet. We've been around for thousands of years. Being a Christ follower doesn't mean that you're like one of 10. You're one of millions, of billions, in fact, of people that have followed Jesus over the centuries. Come on, somebody. There's a way to tell a story, too. And then we need to understand that as we know who our roots are, our historical roots, our past family, if you will, they know that they are cheering for us right now. They are a part of our story right now. So I'm going to move into present roots. Our present roots, the kingdom of God, is here and now. The kingdom of God is here and now. Look what Hebrews 12.1 says. This is right after what I just read to you out of Hebrews 11. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. You are running right now. All those other people we just talked about are cheering for you. Like you're in it. You're running now. It's not just a historic story. It's a present story. And we are running I've talked about my Grant Perouche several times over the years, but he was just a figure of, of a massive faith figure in my life. And uh, he had, as a teenager, he had been a rebel, and uh, found Jesus found him, and he got saved. He didn't just get saved, he got saved, saved. You know the difference? Save, save means you really got, like, throw, turn around. And, uh, and so... My grandpa then uh, goes in into ministry. He had served in World War II. Then he was in, also in ministry, pastored churches all over Illinois and Iowa, real small churches when, uh, throughout his life while he worked a job as a mechanic, um, working hard, just worked really hard. But he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was a crazy Pentecostal in many ways. In fact, I remember one time I asked him, I was curious what his opinions were about churches where people were falling down under the spirit on the ground. And he said, Nate or Nathan, you just need to know this. When the Holy Ghost hits you, something's got to wiggle. <laughs> now, I'll never forget my grandpa saying that to me. What he was saying is it can't have no response. If the Holy Spirit is moving in you, something's going to respond. It may not be a physical manifestation, but it's got to, there's got to be movement and the Holy Spirit was, anyways, my grandpa just had this great faith. He, he'd embarrass me sometimes. We'd be in restaurants, and, and he'd sit at the table, and he'd just start praying in tongues at the table. And I'd be like, Grandpa, you know. <laughs> but you, when you get saved, saved, and you know what it was like without Jesus, you don't really care what anybody thinks about you, right? And so that's kind of where he was. That was my grandpa. Um, and, uh, and the time came later on in his life where he had prostate cancer, and uh, he was go- close to going home to be with Jesus. He was on hospice. Jody and I were driving up to Alexandria to go to youth pastor retreat, and, 
And I remember uh, she felt burdened to give my grandpa a call. And so we pulled over the side of the road. I called my grandpa. He happened to be awake and aware at that moment. Got on the phone. We talked for about a minute and a half. And then he said, well, Nathan, my race is done. He said, I've done everything I need to do. And he said these words. He said, the baton is in your hands now. Now, I want to say this to you. All those great grand witnesses, cloud of witnesses, the grandstand of heaven, your grandma that prayed for you, your mom that prayed for you, your dad, people that have meant a lot and have gone on to be with Jesus, Paul and Timothy and all the disciples, they're cheering you on, but the baton isn't in their hand right now. It's in your hands. And you have a responsibility to run that race. It's our turn to run. The baton is in our hands now. God's kingdom is here, present tense. It's here, present tense. In Luke chapter 17, it says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? And Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there, for the kingdom of God is already among you. It's already right here. Don't just project it off into the future. The kingdom of God is right here. Don't leave it in the past. The kingdom of God is right here, right now. My mentor, Dr. Gordon Anderson, used to say that Jesus would preach the gospel and the kingdom of God in such a way is only the hungry would catch it. Only the ones that really are noticing the kingdom, really leaning in and understanding what's going on right now. And I would say this to you, church, that I believe that the kingdom of God is available to you and me right now. Don't kick the can into the future. Don't leave it to some other, someone else. The kingdom of God is available for us in the present tense. In the present, God's kingdom is always moving. Looking back over the centuries, Christians plugged into the present tense kingdom and Jesus' kingdom touched the world. In war, Christians would hear from the Holy Spirit and the kingdom of God and they started things like the Red Cross to, to men, people that were, were injured in the war. They started hospitals because their community needed hospitals. They started schools and orphanages all because they listened to the kingdom of God in the present tense. That's what they were doing. They're listening to God. And wherever there is need, the kingdom of God in present tense is moving. The kingdom of God is active all over the world. Right now, God is on the move in Africa, where the church is preaching the gospel, but also in persecution. There are people in, in Africa right now, whole villages that were Christian that have been burnt down. And our sisters and brothers are staying strong, following Jesus, even when they're losing home and life. But the kingdom of God doesn't stop. It continues to move, to meet the needs of people. In Asia, where hunger and corrupt governments are oppressing portions of the population, the church is stepping up and feeding the hungry, rescuing the trafficked. I want you to watch what's happening through our Kingdom Builder partner venture today. God is doing great work through them, and you are a part. You're connected to the present tense kingdom. Every year, we receive devastating stories from the areas where we serve. Stories of girls being trafficked, stories of our partners being imprisoned and even killed simply for sharing the gospel, stories of refugee families finding safety in a ditch simply to avoid gunfire and bombs. The reality is we can never fully understand what people endure in the areas where we serve. But we do know that something powerful happens when we come alongside of them, responding at their greatest point of need. In fact, one of our partners said, I will never leave my people in need, not for the safety of myself or my family. No matter how difficult, she said, shouldn't we help more when people are in need? And that's what you did, Emmanuel. You responded through Kingdom Builders by funding border patrol stations that rescued hundreds of girls, all while planting more churches than ever before. Fueled by your prayers and generosity, our partners are rising up stronger than ever with incredible stories of transformation. Stories of girls who were rescued, who are now rescuing other girls and even taking down trafficking rings. 
stories of traffickers who become church planters and rescuers themselves. Stories of kids receiving desperately needed meals that restore their body and allow their education to flourish. And we're seeing hope break out in these hidden fields where hundreds are meeting in secret in closed countries and hearing the gospel for the first time ever. And we are seeing the power of transformation with thousands of people being baptized in one day. This is what we get to be a part of. And I wanna say thank you for your prayers, for your sacrifice, for your generosity. We're gonna to continue to follow the courage of our partners to bring justice to the unreached in some of the most difficult places on the planet. kingdom of God is moving right now. It's happening right now, at this moment, around the world. And in the middle of the pain of a terrorist attack in Israel, the kingdom of God is not absent. In the middle of war-torn Gaza, God's kingdom is near to the oppressed and displaced. Refugees who are under oppressive and tyrannical leadership, the kingdom of God is near. We don't know all the hidden issues of justice and injustice, but we do know that God's kingdom doesn't hide in this hour. And we can do something now. I want you to hear me, church. We can pray, we must pray. I believe that God is calling Emmanuel to do more on our knees than we've ever done before, to intercede for people we don't even know, to pray in the spirit and let the spirit guide us for our family members in India and Pakistan and Eastern Asia, in China, all over Europe, those in Africa and those in the Middle East, there are people that are in the kingdom of God called for such a time as this and we've gotta catch their back in prayer. God is calling us to pray and you can pray. It's not a last resort, it's the first response. We need to teach our kids to pray we know that there is a spiritual battle that's rooted in ancient spiritual conflicts. Literally in the land of Israel, what we're seeing in the physical is actually happening in the supernatural. There are battles that have been going on since the beginning of time. And any time evil moves in, you see people murdered. You see war, you see problems occur. But listen, we are not helpless in our spiritual battle. In Ephesians chapter six, Paul says, I find a word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We can be strong in the Lord ourselves and we can stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Now that might be something that you're gonna learn how to do. That might be something you need to learn how to do, digging out of the word or learning from other intercessors who are in the church but you are not a victim in a spiritual battle. You can be more than a conqueror through him that loved you. You are not a victim. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're not a victim. We are called of God to take our spiritual weapons to, in prayer, to take authority to confront the demonic strongholds of our age. Intercession can take place in for those that are in spiritual prisons, people that are locked up, we can, we're called to go set them free. I have been in situations where God has burdened me in the middle of the night to pray for somebody, only to find out after I had prayed days later that they are between life and death, and God answered my prayer. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to call you burden you at odd times of the day, and if you're open to it, you need to not just hear it, you need to stop and take spiritual authority in that moment that God has given you 
That those you bless will be blessed and those you curse will be cursed. That in the spirit you are a child of Abraham and you can take authority over the demonic strongholds that you're confronting. God is calling us to not stand by passively. And by the way, he's also not calling us to just follow some political pundits on Twitter or any other social media universe or just follow the trigger warning things that are coming at us through TikTok. We are called of God to listen to the voice of the Spirit. What is God's Spirit saying to us in this moment? What do we see with our eyes is one thing, but then we need to hear through the ears of the Spirit. God, what are you saying about this? And it could be on the other side of the world, or it could be about your, the place that you work, or it could be about the place of your, your home in the neighborhood that you're in, or it could be about your family, but you are not a victim. You can take authority in the Spirit. We can learn to look and listen. And God has not called us to follow fear. Refuse to let fear be your leader. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We can support our kingdom, present tense, family, locally and globally. Do not feel that you are alone. You are connected to a worldwide family. There are billions of Christians right now waiting for Jesus. Because this is the final thing. Your kingdom roots have a future. Your kingdom roots have a future. Jesus shares small previews of what would happen before he returns. I just want to pull from one of the texts, and you can read the larger parts of this, but in Matthew 24, verse 4, Jesus told them, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. They will deceive many, and you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Everybody said, don't panic. <laughs> yes, these things must take place, but the end won't full follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. And then you will be arrested and persecuted and killed. You'll be hated all over the world because you are my followers. And many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and will deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it and then the end will come. Now, you could read a text like this and get afraid, but don't you remember it's Jesus that's talking to us. And he's saying there's going to be some things happening. So some people want to read the signs of the times all the time. And they can begin to follow the what ifs as if that's a for sure domino. And Jesus in his own word says, you don't know when that is. That's only the beginning. Don't connect dots that I'm not connecting. Don't deal with things that you can't control. Deal with what you can control, all right? And Jesus says that the gospel's gotta reach the whole world. It's embedded in the heartbeat of God that the good news of the kingdom will be preached so that all nations, that word nations is ethnos. It's not the title or the government of a country. It's a people group. Some nations have multiple ethnos, ethnic groups within them. I'm thankful the United States has many ethnic groups in it. Amen? And that's Jesus' plan also for his kingdom. So in the future kingdom, you're going to see all the nations represented, all the ethnic groups represented. In Mark chapter 11, when Jesus walks into the temple, he starts kicking over the tables. And he was mad, and he quotes from Isaiah 56, and he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. He wasn't saying my house shall be a place where we pray for the nations, although that's what we can do. He was saying that literally his house was a place for every ethnic group to be a part of his kingdom. And when he walked into the temple, there was only room for the Jews at that moment. 
The court of the Gentiles had tables set up in it. So Jesus was getting the obstacles out of the way. Let me tell you this, that when we think about what God is going to do in the future, he wants to reach every ethnic group anywhere on the planet. And sometimes you might have to pay attention to migration. When migration happens, it's not all a bad thing going on. It's an opportunity for the kingdom to reach them where he couldn't have reached them behind the Muslim curtain, if you will. Now there's an opportunity for the gospel to reach them. So don't just be afraid because part of it might be God on the move. God might be moving things around because he cares about people. That doesn't mean that he wants people hurt or wounded or displaced or in refugee status. He cares for them. And that's why we're called to, to meet the needs of those that are hurting and wounded and separated. But in the vision of heaven in our future, in Revelation chapter 7, look at verse 9. It says, after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language. Isn't that interesting? The crowd had every nation, every tribe and people and language standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes and held palm branches in their hands, and they were shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. Listen, God is on the move in such a way is that he is stirring and moving nations. He's moving people. He's allowing it to happen. He doesn't want people murdered or killed, but he's allowing things to happen because we are prophetically moving through the birth canal. God is moving us to a place where the gospel reaches the whole world and then the end will come. And he wants his church in the present tense connected to our future. Don't just be thinking about your 401k. Don't just be thinking about your plans for retirement. Don't just be thinking about that house at the lake or the next vacation. Those are all good things to have. But you need to be connected to something that is eternal in your heart and in your life. And understand this, we're moving forward. We're not going backward. And whether this is the very end or not, we're still moving closer to Jesus' return. And there's more to look forward to in the very last chapter of the Bible. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn there. Revelation chapter 22. I want to read an extended text from Jesus. He ends the Bible, if you will, with words for us. And he says in verse 12, look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes. They will be permitted to enter through the gates of the city and eat the fruit from the tree of life. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and the heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let anyone who hears this say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires drink freely from the water of life. And I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book, if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words from this book of prophecy, God will remove that person's share of the tree of life and the holy city that are described in this book. He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Would you stand with me today? Today, I want to call you to pay attention to your ancient roots to hear Abraham and Moses and the disciples cheering for you, to recognize you can do this. 
You can do this in this hour. It's not too, too hard with God. You can do anything. You need to get hungry to search the word for your history if you don't already know it. Are you seeking God's kingdom in the present tense? Is fear your leader or is God your leader? Are you in a position to pray and intercede? Then do it as a church. Let's become a church that looks like heaven. Amen? What are you looking forward to? He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Today, I just believe we're not going to get the solutions to all the strife from educational institutions. We're not going to get the solution to the strife from polit political organizations. We're not going to get it from one nation conquering another nation. Listen, in this hour, the, the kingdom of God is not like the kingdoms of this world. We are from another world. Our help comes from another place, the kingdom of heaven. That's why we need to learn to begin to pray and not be tapped into the resources of this day and age, but link ourselves to heaven. That's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be your name. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When the people of God are synced with heaven, when we're in sync with the Spirit and the Spirit is talking to his church, we together need to say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We need to be calling upon the name of the Lord, listening to what he says to us, because I believe that's where God will move us as his church in the kingdoms of the world that we live in. And he will give us what we need to overcome the obstacles around us, and he will do a miracle in this house. Can I get an amen, church? God is doing and it will continue to do it. Before we move any further, I want you to just close your eyes for a moment. If you are a person right now and you are away from Jesus, you don't have a relationship with God, you've never surrendered to Christ, you've never received his forgiveness. The Bible says that Jesus came to the earth and he lived a sinless life and then he died on the cross, he was buried and then he was raised from the dead. And anyone that turns to him and puts their hope in him, they will be saved. You confess that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. There is an opportunity for you right now to have right relationship with Jesus. I don't know if you're gonna have another opportunity, that's why I wanna give it to you right now. Nobody's looking around and whether you're online or in one of our locations, you need to give your life to Jesus. I wanna pray with you and if that's you, just lift your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor Nate. That's me and if you're online, you can click it in the, in the chat and just you recognize I, I need to give my life to Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Some of you need to come back to him. You've been wandering. You've left the fold. You need to come back and repent and make your life right before God. If that's you, I'm going to lead all of you in a prayer. If you know you need to get right with Jesus, listen, as many as there are thirsty, come. I just read it out of Revelation. You come to him as you are, and he transforms you. So I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and you can repeat these words after me, but mean them from your own heart, and I believe that Jesus will hear you as well. Church, you can join right in as well. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me so much that you came to the earth, you died on the cross for my sin, then you rose from the dead, and you are alive. Today, I surrender to you. I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Somebody give the Lord some praise in the house, amen. Hey, if you did that, you prayed that prayer, you're in the family, that's what I just preached. You're in, stay in the family, get to know the family, be connected to the family. We got things that will help you, a prayer team is available afterwards if you wanna talk to somebody about what you just prayed. We also got next steps that Pastor Nathan will talk about. But I want to encourage you, stay on the journey. One more time, give it up for those that gave their life to Jesus today. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right. I feel, I feel like 
the Lord wants us to shift a little bit from what I had planned right now. And uh, I feel like God is calling us to take a couple minutes to pray. I'll just release the locations. If you're going live right now, you can, you can begin to transition out. We're going to pray as a church. I just want to call us to prayer. And if you can, I want you to find a spot to kneel or to lift your hands or to step out or you need to move to the front. I just feel like God wants us to pray and ask for God's kingdom first in our city over what's going on in our city and that God would move and his kingdom would move in. I want to pray for the world around us and I'm going to lead you in prayer before we go. we still got a couple minutes, but I just want to call you to pray. One, two, three, go. Just move. Find a spot if you will. If you're right, you're going to stay where you're at, then you're going to stay where you're at. Just lift up holy hands in prayer if you're just staying where you're at. We're going to call upon Jesus right now. We're going to call upon him. We're going to ask the Lord to move. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Lord, we call upon the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We call upon the God of all the disciples. We call upon the God of Rahab, the prostitute. We call upon the God of of Ruth and Naomi. We call upon the God who cares about people. We call upon the one who, who fed the multitudes with some bread and some fish. We call upon the one that remembered those that are hurting and wounded. We call upon the one that ministers to the one that has been put out of the flock. and the, We call upon the one that understands and sees all things. And we ask, oh God, in the name of Jesus, that your kingdom would come it would come down on earth, that your will would be done in our families. Lord, we lift up to the families of our church, and not just Emmanuel, but the churches of the Twin Cities. We lift up the church to you, oh God. Lord, we pray that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. We ask, oh God, that you would move in a way that would stir our hearts. Lord, we'd be open to be available, to be used of you. Lord, we pray, oh God, that the kingdom of God would move into the city and move into areas of darkness and the light would go in, in Jesus' name. We pray in Jesus' name that there'll be an anointing that breaks yokes, that Lord wakes people up, that would recognize the truth. Lord, people right now, even those that used to be in the church, people, oh God, that are underneath the spell of sin itself, and other voices and other things have drugged them away. We pray, go after the one that left the 99. We remember the prodigal sons and daughters. We come before you, Lord, for people, oh God, that have walked away from the truth. We ask in Jesus' name that you would break the strongholds of the enemy, that you would loose the prisoners and set them free. We pray, God, for our cities and for the generations People, oh God, kids, Lord, teenagers, young adults who have never seen a true move of God. In fact, they've seen corruption. They've seen things that aren't right. We pray, God, that you would bring a revival, a renewal that would sweep through the next generation in such a way as they would only see Jesus. Jesus would be on their lips. Jesus would be known. We pray that you would raise up Lord, from our church and from churches in the Twin Cities, that you would raise up people who would plant churches and people who would be missionaries and people who would start orphanages and people, Lord, who would make a difference in this age. People that have the courage to persevere as they hear the kingdom of God rolling in. We ask for it, Jesus. We ask for it, Jesus. We lift up to you broken homes right now. People, oh God, in our communities, that are ravaged, ravaged by dysfunctional generation after generation. Husbands and wives that have wounded one another, divorced and single and Lord, confusion about identity and all the things that are going on. You care about people, Lord, so we lift them to you. We ask, would you send an answer? Would you do something? Use us, but Lord, do even more than we can do. We ask for a miracle. We ask for a miracle, Lord. In this day and age, Lord, we need you. We need you more than we've ever needed you. Oh, Father. Oh, Father, we ask that you would move. We ask that you would move. 
Lord, we lift to you the conflict in the Middle East right now, the things that are going on in the unseen world, things that we don't understand. We only see the surface. We see the natural, but there's a whole nother battle in the heavenlies taking place. So we ask, oh God, that you would move. Let God arise and his enemies be scattered. Lord, in the battles in the heavens and the things that you're allowing, we ask, oh God, that you would remember the people on the ground. We pray for the gospel to be released. We pray, God, that the gospel be released in spaces that ordinarily can't be released. We pray, God, that people would find out about Jesus, that you'd give them visions of Jesus, that there would be an anointing there. We pray, God, even the Jewish people who had not seen Jesus as the Messiah, even their eyes would be open. We pray in the name of Jesus that you would do it amongst those that are in the Palestinian areas and that you would remember them and that you would move, oh God. We pray, God, that you would minister to the hurting, the wounded, the moms who have lost their children and the children that have lost their parents, oh God. We weep for them. We weep for everyone, Lord. We ask, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, in the name of Jesus, move the pieces. Move them, we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We're going to transition in a moment. I'm going to do a prayer of blessing for everyone. And if you need to go, you can go. I'm going to leave this as a prayer time here today. Ordinarily, Pastor Nathan would come up, but I'm just going to end it this way today. I'm going to ask God to move, and we're going to be looking. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer of blessing, and then uh, after I say amen, if you need to leave, feel free to do so. Don't forget to pick up your kids today from church. We'd love that. Go ahead and put your hands out like you're receiving a gift. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you see us and you know us. Your word says that the eyes of the Lord search to and fro throughout the whole earth, that you may encourage those whose hearts are looking toward you. And so I pray, God, that there would be hope poured out in the church. I pray, God, that you would encourage us and strengthen us, that the joy of the Lord would be our strength. And we declare, Lord, we're looking for you, looking to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We look to you in this hour, and we pray, oh God, make us stronger. Fill us with optimism and hope. And Lord, may we be those that leak Jesus to the world around us. May the light shine through us. May the next generation experience something more than we've even experienced. May our kids see and know Jesus. May they be filled with the Spirit. May they be transformed, we ask, in Jesus' name. And let anointing come that breaks the yoke of the enemy. Let it come. Set people free, I pray in Jesus' name. Let us walk in your freedom. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And we thank you for it. Let this be the best week of our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do the best is yet to come.